0: so glad that you made it this weekend, a park for you. We're glad that you're here in and around the building and even online with us. We want to welcome you. Do you still have your Christmas tree up? Yes. I hear a lot of yeses. You guys are awesome. Do You keep it up, okay? Keep it up. Anyways, we're glad that you made it this weekend. Uh, hey, we got a great event tonight for students, 6th through 12th grade. Uh, if you have students or you're a student right now, 6th to 12th grade, we have an event tonight called the Student Winter Rally. It's gonna be an incredible night. It starts at seven o'clock here at campus. Uh, actually, our youth pastors are out in the lobby right now. They've got a set up. You're gonna to wanna to go out and talk to them and check it out uh, and make sure your students come back. It's a great chance for you to launch into the new year and meet some other students from across other different high schools and junior highs and just celebrate having a new good time together. So don't miss out on that. It's seven o'clock tonight. It's the student winner rally for sixth through 12th graders. And speaking of meeting new people, we would love to meet you. Maybe you are newer, Uh, to our campus and you're unsure about who all these people are and we'd love to meet you and get to know you and welcome you to our church. We have an event coming up on January 22nd. It is called Welcome to Parkview. It's at 10 a.m. and it is free, but you need to register to come so that we know you're going to be here. Uh, But you're not going to miss on that. You'll get a chance to hear a little bit about the church. You get to meet our team. But more importantly, we'll get to meet you and get to hear a little bit about your story. So don't miss out on that January 22nd at 10 a.m. You know, a great way to start the new year is to jump in the community, to build meaningful relationships. And as a church, we have created a tool to make it very easy for you to access all of the potential small groups that we have meeting throughout our community. They're on a variety of days and a variety of times, but that tool is called Find Your People. And you can access that tool by texting the word groups to the number up here on the screen. You're gonna get a link, and that'll take you out to our Find Your People tool, and you'll be able to find all different types of groups that meet on different days of the week and at various times, and can be a great way for you to take a new step in meeting some people and having a little bit more meaningful relationship this year. So don't miss on your chance to check out Find Your People. We've also got a booth out in the lobby after service to get some more information if you're interested, so check that out. And then finally, guys, 2022 was an incredible year. Uh, we finished really strong, and it's all because you chose to give. And so I just want to say thank you. 2022 was fantastic, and we're excited about 2023. If you're even curious about all that we were able to do together, you can go out to our website, parkviewchurch.com impact, to find all the things that we were able to do as a church right there on our website. Guys, we're glad that you're here. We're excited to celebrate the new year together. And so with that in mind, I'm going to invite you to stand up, and let's sing to our great God and celebrate together.
1: And I'm gonna praise when the sun is rising I'm gonna praise when the sun goes down Cause time and again the evidence surrounds me You are good down the walls of Jericho and he'll do the same for us and I know a great redeemer pushed back the raging seas We led them out to the promised land your people because you are holy you are faithful and you have good things in store for your children as we pursue you this upcoming year in the name of Jesus we pray amen and amen what a start to the year let's give God one more hand clap of praise Woo! you all may be seated
2: Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year to you at our campuses at Homer and New Lenox and Orland Park and online. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Tim. I'm a senior pastor. We're, it's good to be at, at church when the temperature is above zero, isn't it? Uh, I don't think any of you at Christmas time got the chance to do that. And uh, welcome. I hope your holidays were, uh, were good. I uh, broke my grandson's collarbone, uh, age four. Yeah. Uh, I uh, was bouncing him around and, you know, I was roughhousing, that's what my mom calls it. I was roughhousing with him and snapped his collarbone in two. And I feel really bad about it, but now when my other grandkids are acting up, I'm like, hey, (laughs) remember Caleb, okay? Um, It it is good to have you here with us. Uh, Here's how you do 2023, in case you're wondering, you start to write 2022. It's really easy to fix. I found this online, I thought it would help you. So what we're gonna do this year is we're gonna get to know Jesus better. Here's here's uh, Here's what the Apostle Paul said. My purpose is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding. In order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, okay? Let me explain it like this. Sometimes you'll hear people, including myself, say or post something like this, right? Religion bad, relationship up. And I say that all the time, too. It's not about religion because religion is about rules. It's about a relationship with Jesus. But I think we need a little more definition behind it because to some people, religion equals rules and standards and requirements, which is my definition as well. But relationship is just hanging out. You know, it's just chilling. The problem with that idea is that those people have obviously never been married. You know what I'm saying? Denise and I will celebrate 39 years next month, and I'm sure she would agree with me. Thank you. I'm sure she would agree with me on this one. It would be a lot easier to know the rules than to have a relationship. Are you with me? Guys, any amens? I mean, because in a relationship... Sometimes the rules change from time to time. You you know what I mean? In a relationship, I often don't know what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes it feels like I never know what I'm supposed to do. But for sure, there are different ways our relationship works now than it did at other stages of our life. And there are outside influences that that, that disrupt and, and change as time goes on. For some of you, for example, the pandemic was a lot of fun. You know the shutdown was a lot of fun, even though it was it was scary and hectic and all that. But you know it was good, and for a lot of you it was hell being together, stuck in one place over a long period of time. Life is full of disruption, and that changes in relationship. And there's uh, disruptions that come from the loss of someone or something. There's a disruption that comes from the addition of someone or something. There's health, finances, job, kids, all of that. And disruption means that the rules sometimes change. At least, here's what I'm saying, at least in a religious system, I know everything I'm supposed to do, even if I can't pull it off, right? In a religion system, you can say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned because I did this or I didn't do that. In a relationship, I often find myself saying, what did I do? Because you can laugh, it's okay. You do the same thing. A relationship is a slow, revealing mystery. I'm always learning more about this person. And hopefully I'm changing as well. And the dynamics of our relationship are always changing and expanding and growing. That's why I have to keep pursuing a deeper relationship with my wife. And that's why the best relationships that you have are those that are constantly deepening. And that's why Jesus wants a relationship with you, not a religion because rules will not transform you. Let me say that again. Rules will not transform you. Relationship will. So with that in mind, we kick off today this uh, Quest 52 series, 52 weeks of a quest to find Jesus. And we're going to do a year-long pursuit of Jesus, okay? And we're going to encourage you to do this study with us all year long. We have it available for you at every one of your campuses. If you're online, you can grab the Kindle version. You can order it online and catch up with us. Here's why, here's why we're doing this, okay? We're not going to preach through it the whole year, but I am going to preach through it from now until Easter. And we're going to encourage you to stay with it and keep doing this. And Here's why. What I've come to realize is that the uh, end result of my life is going to be built much more on the small things that I've done consistently rather than any singular big commitment or act I perform, okay? Physically, okay? If you got on a kick and you joined the gym and you're going to work out two hours a day, you know, for January and only eat salads, that's going to be great, but not if you quit in February. If you want to be healthy, you're better off doing small things consistently. You're better off exercising, doctors would tell you, 20 minutes a day than just going to the gym on Saturday and working out hard for two hours, okay? If you want to have a meaningful relationship with your kids or your friends or your spouses, you don't do that by having a big party twice a year or by going on family vacation once a year. You do that in the little daily interactions, by listening, by having a date night with your wife, a phone call to check in, and I love you text. It's those little things that make a relationship. When it comes to your spiritual health, the small habits done with consistency are more beneficial than some grand gesture that you do once a year. If you want to build God into your life and build a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you to make two commitments as a church together over the next coming year. Number one, is make a priority to be at church every weekend in January and February. Just every weekend. I mean, you're not doing anything else anyway. Football season's done. I mean, you know, can't do yard work. What? Come to church January and February, every week and reinforce the pattern and the habit of gathering together to worship and focus on Jesus. We've all gotten out of the habit of doing that. And I encourage you, if you're online and you've gotten out of the habit, hey, how about showing up? If you live in another city, how about showing up at a church and finding a body and doing it together? Let's rebuild the habit and see what God does in us. Number two is grab one of these and commit 15 minutes a day, five days a week, to sit down with your Quest devotional and get to know Jesus in 2023. Again, I'm gonna be speaking about it for the next several weeks and you'll have follow-up readings in here that go along with the message and I think it's gonna really help you. 15 minutes a day, doesn't sound like much, but over the course of a year... It's going to really change your life, and I guarantee you, you will not get to the end of 2023 and come up to me and go, man, I can't believe I went through this whole thing, and I got to know Jesus better, and what a waste of time that was. It's not going to happen, and you know it's not going to happen, so start by reading chapter 1 tomorrow and then there's several other days for you, instructions to go through in there. I promise you it's easy. I've been doing it for several months now ahead of you. It's a simple way to get to know Jesus better. And here's why Mark, my friend Mark, is a, was a Bible college professor. He's a great New Testament scholar, but he's also a pastor. So you're going to love listening to him communicate and learn a lot at the same time. Here's why he called it Quest. He said, Jesus said in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The pearl of great price, we call that. Worth every other sacrifice required along the way to chase after this one thing. And here's what Mark said. He challenged us, Jesus challenged us to love our enemies, thus reordering rules for social engagement. He prioritized the outcast, renovating social justice. He introduced servant leadership, transforming politics. He demanded that we examine our hearts and not just our behavior, revolutionizing ethics. He introduced God to the world as a father, thus changing the very nature of prayer. There is no quarter of our modern lives that has not been affected by Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. Not education, science, religion, society, law, ethics, art, or entertainment. Therefore, he is worth pursuing. And Mark asks a very important question in the beginning of his book. He says, how could we get to know God, an unknowable God, unless he makes himself known? I mean, it's a great question. If God really is the God who figured all this out, if God really is the one and only God, creator of the universe, then how would we as finite little human beings be able to understand him unless he made himself known? And my follow-up question is, then what is the best way to make himself known? Send us religion or just show up? Please hang with me for a minute before you label me as a heretic and burn me at the stake, okay? Promise? If I became a missionary to a new planet and I was going to help aliens understand God, I would not give them a Bible. I would tell them about Jesus. Hang on. I do believe that the Bible is the word of God, but Jesus is God, and that is more important. Jesus is God. The Bible is the word of God, but Jesus is God, and that's more important. I love that we have the Bible. It is my love letter from a perfect daddy. However, imagine me writing you a very long letter, Actually, 39 books worth, which is the Old Testament, okay? It's like oh, long, long letters to a right about there in your Bible, okay? Imagine me writing you all about that so that you could kind of understand who I was and, and, and you could know that someday I'm going to come and visit you. And then I finally come and visit you and all you want to do is debate what I was saying in those letters, My wife and I spent a lot of time apart during our dating relationship and our engagement. I was in Texas, and she was still in school in Missouri, so we wrote letters back and forth to each other. We wrote letters, okay? I was back before personal computers or email or that interweb. It was in the dark ages. And yes, we had phones, smart Alec, but they were corded phones, okay, on the wall and they actually, check this, kids, they actually charged you ridiculous amounts of money to call someone who didn't live in your area code. They called it long distance. And you paid by the minute. I can't believe I'm explaining this. It seems like another planet, doesn't it? (laughs) I was joking with some of my friends this week about Gilligan's Island and you know, it gets the conversation of, were you a Ginger or a Marianne? I mean, that's always the way it is with guys. And these guys are all my friends and they're all my age. And one of them said, at my age, Mrs. Howell is looking pretty good. (laughs) I mean, at least you got a sugar mama, you know what I'm saying? But I digress, okay? Denise and I wrote letters to each other, and as opposed to those of you who were separated from a love interest during the cell phone age, we still have copies of those letters. You will only get them if the FBI subpoenas your phone records, so there you go. But you know what I never did? I never read those letters once she got there. I read them when she wasn't there, and I read them after she was gone, and I'm glad I had them, and I'm glad I have them, but what I really needed was her. Listen to Jesus. According to John, the father who sent me, (laughs) the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. He's talking to the religious leaders. But you have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study, listen to this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. He was talking to the religious leaders of his day, but he could be talking to us in 2023. So many people are deconstructing their faith in God right now. Maybe you are. Maybe your kids are. But do you know what they're deconstructing? They're deconstructing what their faith was based on, and most of it is stuff that I would deconstruct also. But I've not met very many people who are deconstructing Jesus or their attitudes about Jesus. Again, I believe the Bible is God's letter to us for your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And we're going to use the Bible to learn about Jesus. That's how the whole thing works. I believe that it's true. It's just that there are so many ways to interpret it that you can end up making God look like whatever you want if you try hard enough. You can convince yourself and your church that God wants you and your people to stand on street corners with signs that say God hates you to another group of people if you want to. It's just really hard to imagine Jesus on a street corner with a sign that says God hates you, isn't it? I mean, Jesus did stand on a corner one day on a cross and he died for those people that you guys say he hates So maybe we should concentrate on Jesus. You see what I mean? So we're going to get back to Jesus. And obviously, we're going to use the Bible to do it because that's the only way we can learn about him. But week one is this question, is Jesus God? This is so important because it's one of the key distinctions between Christianity and all other world religions, okay? There's just three key ones I'll give you right now. Number one, Jesus alone claimed to be God. Okay, I'll I'll deal with that claim in a second, but you just need to understand no other major religious leader claimed to be God. Not Moses or Abraham with Judaism, not Muhammad, he did not claim to be God, he claimed to be a prophet of God. Not Buddha, not Confucius, only Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God, okay? Number two, only Jesus rose from the grave If this is all new for you, I just want to help you. No other world leader even claimed to have conquered death. But Jesus did. And there's good evidence to support that claim. And if Jesus rose from the dead, then he is the standard of truth, and he is above all gods and king of kings. But again, only Jesus claimed to have done that anyway. And only Jesus, here's the big difference... Offers salvation through grace, not works. All other religions, including the stuff that most of the young people are out there deconstructing right now, about our own religion, okay, about Christianity, because it's gotten so messed up in here along the way as people have interpreted things differently, all other religions teach that we please God by being good enough. And only Jesus Christ teaches that you cannot possibly save yourself, that your goodness is never going to be good enough. So only he can rightfully say, put your trust in me, and I will save you by my grace and my mighty power. And honestly, I don't know why anyone would understand that and opt for anything else, except that it's just that we haven't explained it well enough, and we've kind of forgotten to get back to Jesus. So let's stick with the first one for now, and I'm going to read to you several different pieces of John 1, 1 through 18, and help you to understand that Jesus did claim to be God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus was the Word, the Logos. He was with God in the beginning. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And that true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision, but born of God. And the word became flesh, this is Christmas, and made its dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God as in, and is in the closest relationship with the father has made him known. Jesus knew this, okay, at age 12. Think about it. Uh, Maybe you don't know the story, but the only thing we know about Jesus' childhood is at age 12, he stays behind in the temple. His parents go off and and they come back and they're mad because they're like, Jesus, how come you didn't go home with us? How how did we miss you along the way? And Jesus said, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? Jesus knew who he was. Reminds me of a story from Ronald Reagan's presidency when when he was visiting a nursing home, you know, just to to do one of those presidential photo shoot kind of things, and he was talking to this older woman, and as he was talking to this older woman, he realized that she might not have been, you know, all there, and and she might not have known that he was the president, you know, and and so he asked her, he said, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she said, no, but if you go up and ask the lady in the white coat, she can tell you. Jesus knew who he was and he was really, really clear. Listen to John 8. They said, Where is your father? Because they were always giving Jesus a hard time because they thought he was born illegitimately because of the way the whole Christmas story happened. Where is your father? They asked. And Jesus said, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who the father is. If you knew me, you would know the father also. To know Jesus is to know the father. To one of his followers in John 14, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said, Philip, come on, don't you know, even after I've been so long with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Mark 14, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed God? And Jesus said, I am. You want to catch significance here? The high priest is going to tear his robes after Jesus says that because I am is what they called God. That was the name for God, Yahweh, I am. And you will see me, the son of man, sitting at God's right hand in place of power and coming back on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his robe, which is the correct reaction to blasphemy, because he knew that Jesus was claiming to be God. John 10, the father and I are one. Once again, the Jewish leaders picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, hey guys, you know, at my father's direction, I've done many good things, many things to help the people. For which one of these good deeds are you killing me? They said, not for any good work, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, have made yourself God. Again, pretty clear. John 8, Jesus answered, The truth is, before Abraham was even born. I existed before Abraham was even born. At that point, they picked up stones to kill him, but Jesus hid himself from them, hid himself from them, and left the temple. This one cracks me up. This guy claims to be God. What guy? Where'd he go? How could he vanish like that? I don't know, dipstick. Maybe the same way he heals people and calms the storm and casts out demons and raises people from the dead. Like only God could. Did you ever think about it that way? And and there's actually more if you really understand it. Like, Do you wonder why Jesus walked on the water? Maybe you don't think about this stuff, but I do. Like, Why didn't Jesus just like fly over this? So they're, they're out in the boat and Jesus walks on the water to go out there? Why, did it, why, not, why not just fly? Why not just do the Dr. Strange thing and, and just poof over to the boat, right? Why get his feet wet? Here's the answer. It's because in Job, one of the oldest scriptures in the Old Testament, it says, he, God, alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. And this Old Testament verse would have been commonly known in Jesus' time because they didn't have Netflix. They didn't have anything but the Old Testament, but the first five books of the Old Testament. And they knew that that, Jesus, that, that they knew the Scripture, because that's all they did. So when Jesus chose to walk on the water instead of poofing over there, he was literally giving proof of his divinity to the people around him. Even the fishermen disciples would have gone, oh, that's what he's doing. And by the way, God said that he was God at his baptism. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Everybody around heard it. Like, okay, Jesus says he's God. God says he's God. Oh, here's one more. The demons admitted he was God. The demons shouted, "I don't, I don't know how to do a demon voice." So, <laughs> what, what do you want with us? <laughs> what do you want with us, Son of God? What do you want with us, Son of God? The demons shouted to Jesus, "Son of God." We know you're the son of God. What do you want with us? Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? (laughs) They knew why Jesus was here. They knew who he was. These are the demons, okay? I just don't feel like I need to spend a ton of time on this because you've either got to believe it or not. You just have to realize that this Jesus as God thing is an either or proposition. Okay, C.S. Lewis said it well. He was uh, trying to prevent anyone from saying anything really foolish that people often say about him, Lewis says. Which is, don't say stuff like, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Lewis says, that is one thing we must not rationally say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You've got to make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or he is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any of this patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us because he plainly believed that he was God. And so this week, as we're going through quests, we're going to ask, what difference does it make if Jesus is God? That's the question, and there's three main points that we're going to talk about. If Jesus is God, and this is what's so revolutionary about Christianity, if Jesus is God, that means God is near. And while you may not understand this, a devout Muslim would not tell you that Allah is near. That is against their theology. You don't call Allah Abba. You don't call him Daddy. That's just not the way it works. Actually, if you're talking to a Jewish person who doesn't believe in Jesus the Yahweh God in the Old Testament was not that close to us either before Jesus, because he couldn't be, because he was holy and we weren't. So he hung out as close to his people as he could, and he led them with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, and then they made this tabernacle tent where they would all gather around, they would all camp around it, and he would would be in the Holy of Holies in the Ark of the Covenant in this special little place that only the priest could go in once a year, the high priest, and then when They built the temple in Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant was there. And again, only the high priest could go in once a year. And it was such a scary experience for the high priest to go in that they would tie a rope around his leg in case he went in and got to be close enough to God. and, And it freaked him out so much that he had a heart attack, they could drag him out because nobody else could go in. But that was as close as he could get. And then when Jesus died on the cross, the scripture tells us that. The veil was torn by God because it was from top to bottom between the Holy of Holies and everything else. In other words, we now had access because of Jesus. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray our daddy in heaven and how important and radical that was, okay? The second thing it means, if Jesus is God, is that God is love and like like real love. I mean, most gods from any religion kind of love the people who follow them and worship them. But only through Jesus do we know the full extent of God's love because Paul said, God showed his love for us in Romans 5 8 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's completely revolutionary. God is near, God is love. And this one, God suffers, is actually offensive in other religions. And you know that if you've studied them, if you've come from one, that God would suffer, that he would allow himself to suffer. Yet in Jesus, we see a God who suffers for those he loves, even while they're unlovely. And that's why we have to understand God through Jesus. And that's why it's so important that we understand that Jesus is God. Dr. James Hill, about a hundred years ago, wrote this piece called One Solitary Life. Some of you probably heard it before. It's very, very famous, but I wanna read it for you and then we'll pray and we'll worship and we'll commune. How does one explain the greatness of this man, Jesus? He He was born in a stable, the child of a peasant woman, He grew up in an obscure village, worked as a carpenter until he was 30, then became an itinerant preacher for three years. He never went to college, never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never owned a home, he never had a family, he never had a lot of money, and he never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never accomplished any of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. Although he spoke with great authority, taught with unusual wisdom and was widely accepted by the people, the religious leaders of his day opposed him. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. He was betrayed by a friend, abandoned by his associates and turned over to his enemies. He was falsely accused endured the mockery of a trial, was unjustly condemned to die. He was crucified between two thieves and while he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, that was his clothing. When he was dead, he was buried in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. 19 at this point, wide centuries have come and gone and today he is the central figure of the human race and the cornerstone of world progress and all the armies that ever marched and all the navies that ever sailed and all the parliaments that have ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as has this one solitary life. Jesus, I just pray that you'll help us to understand you better. Um, It's a constant process. I learn more about you every day. I've been learning for a long, long time. And usually my learning about you also involves unlearning some other stuff that I thought I knew about you and about the Father. And I just pray that as we head into this year, as we start to figure out that we have the pearl of great price here, at price here, and we, and we we do everything we can to make sure that we have it in our life, that you will just make yourself abundantly clear and show us who you are and show us why Christianity is so beautiful and so different and why everybody needs to understand. Be with us. In your name we pray. Thank you
0: through communion. Hopefully when you came in, uh, you grabbed one of these packs. And if you're online with us, we would love for you to join with us as well. Grab some crackers and juice and celebrate communion with us. Uh, it's a moment where we get to remember all that God has done for us. Uh, His incredible, deep love for you. And he displayed it by suffering on a cross to cover our sin and to give us a chance to have a relationship with him. And so with that in mind, I just wanna invite us to take a moment to just consider all that we've heard today and then I'll come back out in a moment. We'll take communion. this is the body of Christ given for you, take it, eat. and now the blood of Christ shed for you, take and drink. Let's pray together, God we celebrate all that you've done for us, you have come into this world, uh, you became Emmanuel, God with us. You showed us just how much you love us by dying for our sin. And so today we say thank you and we celebrate that. And we also humbly ask God that as we leave today, uh, you would help us to love the people around us the way you've loved us. Uh, God, were you calling us to live beyond ourselves? God, I pray that you give us courage to do that. Thanks for being the God that you are to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Hey, before you head out, uh, just a few things. Uh, We have Quest 52 books for you. So if you haven't picked one of those up uh, out at the East Lobby and also in our North Lobby, we've got tables available for you. Uh, And anyway, we're glad that you came. Thanks for joining us. I'm gonna invite us to stand up together. Before you head out, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he turn his face towards you and grant you peace this day and forevermore. Amen. Have a great weekend. See you next time.